You're listening to the sermon audio from Redemption Church. Redemption Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. For more information on Redemption Church, just go to redemption.church. This morning we are in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's the last chapter of the book. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we are continuing our series in 2 Thessalonians. And we are picking back up in verse 1 of chapter 3. Let me read the passage for us. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5 says this. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil man. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as Pastor Justin announced earlier this service, at the beginning of the service, tonight we have our prayer meeting. And at that meeting, of course, we're going to be praying, but we will also give a brief report about our trip to Brazil. And I'm also going to show some pictures of our trip there. And in one of those pictures, you're going to see Pastor Igor, which is our partner in Rio, and also Pastor Justin. And Pastor Igor is handing to Pastor Justin his soccer team's jersey, his favorite soccer team, as a gift to Pastor Justin. So if by the end of this sermon, you are not convinced to attend our prayer meeting from Scripture based on the importance of praying together, at least come to see this beautiful picture. And and I say that it's beautiful because Pastor Eager and I, we are not only aligned in our love for the Lord and our love for His church, but we're also aligned in our affection for the soccer team. Uh, And this visit to Brazil was, especially our time with Pastor Eager, not only gave me a lot of reasons to pray for them, to share with him and his sufferings in ministry, but also to share in his sufferings in soccer. Our team, uh, it's known for its greatness, for its history, but we are not doing that great this season. And we would joke to one another that because of our lack of prayers for our team, some bad owners took over and now are causing negative ripple effects for the team. For example, our players are not playing as hard as they could. We went months without a manager. And now we are at the edge of no longer being part of the elite soccer Brazilian uh, league. So the greatness of our team is not being honored by the owners. The new manager has no faith in the owners. And the players, they have no confidence in the manager. And we, the fans, we continue to cheer them on. We're still fans. But if the owners are not replaced, our cheering seems hopeless. But despite our disappointments with our team's owners, Pastor Igor and I know that when it comes to our ministries, the owner of the church is forever faithful. He will never, ever disappoint. If there is any effectiveness in the church, in our ministries, if there is any confidence in the work that we do, if there is any direction for the future that we are establishing, it is because we are rooted in the faithfulness of the owner of the church, Jesus Christ. And now, how wonderful it is to know that our cheers matter. We joked about praying for our team, but we would never joke about praying for our churches and its mission. 
Like Paul in this passage, we believe that prayer is the loud cheering of believers, declaring the faithfulness of the owner of the church. Prayer is this great mystery that together with his word, God uses to showcase his faithfulness through. So we'll see together that first in verses 1 and 2, God uses our prayers to sustain missions. Second, we will see verses 3 and 4, or that God uses our prayers to strengthen churches. And lastly, we're going to see in verse 5 that God uses our prayers to direct our hearts to himself. So this morning, as we're going to walk through this passage with Paul, he lays out three ways God uses the prayers of believers. First, prayer sustains our missions. Second, prayer strengthens churches. And third, prayer directs our hearts. So let's first consider together how prayer sustains our missions in verses 1 and 2. Let me read it again for you. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil man, for not all have faith. As we saw last week, Paul started the previous topic of the day of the Lord with prayer in chapter 1, verse 3. And he also concluded with prayer in chapter 2, verse 16. So now, even before he begins the next topic, which is in verse 6, he repeats that pattern. He asks for prayer in verses 1 and 2. He reports on his prayers in verses 3 and 4. And he prays in verse 5. And notice that he uses the divine name of the Lord here six times in five verses. It is the word of the Lord in verse 1. It is the Lord that is faithful in verse 3. We have confidence in the Lord in verse 5. And it is the Lord who directs you to God and Christ in verse 5. So he's not using prayer as an excuse to change subjects in his letter. But he's humbly relying upon God's power for his past and his future ministry. So when we pray, we are admitting our dependence on God in everything we do. But when we don't pray, the opposite is also true. We admit that we are better off without God. So Paul asks the Thessalonians to do that, to pray. He asks, pray for us. The verb pray here could also be translated as keep on praying. Paul longs for their continued prayers. But he's also very specific about whom they were to pray for and what they are to pray for. Because he says, pray for us. Pray for the apostle and for the missionary Paul. Pray for the future pastor, Timothy. Pray for the missionary companion of Paul, Silas. But he also says, pray for our evangelistic mission when he says that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Not only that, pray for our protection that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. So Paul asks the church to pray for them and that God will use their prayers as their work of evangelism for their work of evangelism and for their protection. So let me highlight for us from the text there's two ways that God uses our prayers to sustain the work of missions in the world. First, prayer propagates effective evangelism. Prayer propagates effective evangelism. The word propagate means to spread, to multiply. And Paul says that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. 
There's a clear illusion here from Psalm 147:15 that the Lord, he sends out his command to the earth and his word runs swiftly. And also we read from Habakkuk 2:14, the prophet says, for the earth will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So these brothers, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, that have been traveling together for a while now, at the time of the writing of this letter. They left Jerusalem. They passed by several provinces in Asia, planting and strengthening churches. And after that, God gave them a vision of a man praying in Macedonia. So they crossed the sea and planted the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica. And as they write this letter, they are in Corinth, sharing the gospel and preparing to plant the church in Corinth. So notice that there's movement in the work of evangelism. From Jerusalem to Asia to Philippi to Thessalonica and now in Corinth. This movement is part of Jesus' command himself in Acts 1.8. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the word of God, the word of the Lord speeds ahead from one place to another. In every stop, the word of the Lord speeds ahead until somebody arrives and proclaims the gospel. You see, the missionaries of his word, the ministries of his word, follow the leadership of the spirit, pushed and motivated by the prayers of the saints. So God uses our prayers to sustain the propagation of his word throughout the world. So when we pray for missionaries, for church planters, for pastors, God uses our prayers to sustain them in their work of evangelism. We are to pray for the word of the Lord speed ahead, even while missionaries are getting ready to go to places. At Southeastern, I attended Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. During graduation ceremonies, they have a photo ceremony, a photo booth. And in the photo booth, there is a symbol. There's a sign of the goal sign, which is the emblem of the school. And then there's a phrase that says, I am going to blank. And every graduate has to fill that blank with the place that they're going. So the graduates go up there, they fill it out, they bring that sign, and they take their picture. But as they write it, they're understanding that the word of the Lord may speed ahead ahead of them. They have a recognition that they would be only going if the Lord would first speed ahead and prepare the way for them. So at the end of the ceremony, Dr. Aiken, the president of the seminary, he prays for them. And that's what we have to do also, as we commit to support in the field those that are laboring for the work of the Lord, including in our own local church, praying for our own pastors, for our own preachers, that the word may speed ahead even before they preach the word. So let me challenge you to at least learn the names of our spiritually supported partners on the mission field. Find their cards in the back. Pray for them. But you may go beyond that. Visit the website of organizations that we partner with, such as the IMB, the Pillar Network, Reaching and Teaching. Learn the names of missionaries and pastors that spread throughout the earth and pray for them. Also, pray for Pastor Justin as he preaches every Sunday on the book of, uh, of 2 Samuel. Pray for other pastors in our town as they step up to proclaim the word. Pray for your brothers and sisters in the local church and in other churches as they share the gospel at home to their neighbors, to their uh, community. Because 
everywhere they go, when we pray, the Lord speeds ahead. And how glorious it is to know that the Lord uses our prayers to empower believers in propagating the gospel to the ends of the earth. How wonderful it is to understand that because when we heard the gospel and we ourselves believed, we honored the word of the Lord. And now we can pray for its effect elsewhere. You see, our prayer not only propagates evangelism, but as it happened to us, it propagates effective evangelism. Notice that the words speed ahead and be honored are directly related in Paul's request. Use the word end. He connects them two together. They go hand in hand. And Paul asked them to pray not only for the propagation of the word, but also for the reception of the word. That the word honored here means glorified, received with joy, obeyed. So to honor the word of the Lord is to obey the word of the Lord continually. The Thessalonians may be asking Paul here, but how do you know that, Paul? And he answers, because that's what happened to you, Thessalonians. He says, as happened among you. The word of the Lord sped ahead to where they were. Paul came and shared the gospel to them. They received it in repentance and faith, and they honored the word of the Lord in their continued growth of love for one another. See, they became a church, and that takes time. It may take a couple of years like it did for Paul in Thessalonica, or it may take decades like it does in many contexts in unreached people groups around the world. For the word of the Lord to be honored anywhere, it must be translated to their native languages, and it must be taught in their native context. Once people believe the gospel and repent and believe in the gospel, they must honor the gospel in becoming members of a local church. And this process takes time because they re it requires continued obedience to God's word. But it must be done because the true propagation of evangelism is confirmed when the true effects of evangelism are established. Churches. And we must pray for the propagation of effective evangelism, meaning for churches to be planted and for churches to be strengthened throughout the world. And it is so sad that so many evangelism movements, with the greatest of intentions, they want to praise the Lord and honor the Lord, but sometimes they compromise faithfulness for speed. They end up disconnecting evangelism from church planting and church membership. That would be like convincing somebody to be a fan of your favorite sports team, but never teaching them the rules of the game and never introducing them to any other fans. Are they true fans at that point? So they confuse their pragmatically assessed results with the speeding of the Lord, with the speeding ahead of the Lord. But if we follow that path, we would be after quick responses to our clever techniques. People will raise their hands, accepting the gospel, but there will be no long honoring, long-lasting honoring of the word of the Lord. So we are not to evangelize and leave the supposed converts without a church to be a part of. If there is no gospel preaching church there, we plant one. If there are already gospel preaching churches there, we encourage them to join one. But when we pray for the word of the Lord to speed ahead, we must understand that we are praying for churches to be planted and for churches to be strengthened. So when we pray for churches to be planted and for churches to be strengthened, 
we must remember that we are a church that was planted and that is being strengthened. So we may very well be the answers to our own prayers. But how? As we pray for the word to be honored in Greenville, for example, because Tyler Eason is going there to plant a church and he was one of our partners, we may accept the challenge to move there and help that work as the word of the Lord speeds ahead. We may be sent out to join the work of church revitalization, strengthening other churches to follow the word of the Lord and to honor the word of the Lord. We may support the work of church planting financially with our personal means or as the church. We as the church funding the church planting and the church revitalization in other places of the world. So our prayer for effective evangelism, when the Lord leads, should be followed by being part of those answers for those prayers. We are to step up as a church because without the church, there's no true evangelism. And when there's true evangelism and when there are true churches, persecution comes. So the second way God uses our prayers is sustaining, in sustaining missions is that it protects the work of evangelism. Prayer protects the work of evangelism. Paul says, pray for us that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil man, for not all have faith. This missionary's safety was totally dependent on God. He doesn't assume that God will protect them, but he believes that God can. And when he says, for not all have faith, it is as if he's circling back to the sentence, as happened among you. Not all have faith like you, Thessalonians. While you believed and while you honored the word of the Lord, some disbelieve and want to get rid of the word of the Lord. They do not want this word of the Lord to be spread anywhere else. So he asked the Romans a very similar prayer request when he says that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be accepted to the saints. So they are under constant attack of wicked and evil men that are not only rejecting the gospel, but they're intentionally seeking to cause its spread to stop. So praying for safety of Paul, of Silas, and Timothy here is to pray for the gospel to continue to advance through them. And look how interesting. In Acts chapter 17, we read that Paul knew this firsthand. The prayers of Lydia on a small group church of believers in her house prayed for Paul and Silas while they were in prison. Their prayers not only protected them, but also caused the word of the Lord to speed ahead and be honored by the jailer. And after that, Paul moves on because of God's protection to Thessalonica and plants that church. So when the church prays for protection over missionaries, we are praying for protection over their work of evangelism, their work of evangelism. While in America for now, we enjoy freedom to worship our God like we are this morning. We enjoy freedom to share his word with others with nobody throwing us in jail. That's not the reality of many other parts in the world. Missionaries, pastors, believers, they're being thrown in jail or killed daily for their boldness in sharing their faith. But when you hear this news like this that I just told you, what is your first reaction? Are you prideful? Are you proud of them? Do you have pride? Or do you pray? I believe being proud for the martyrdom should be left for the next generations of believers 
who are going to reap the benefits of their faithfulness, and they're going to write about it in biography. As for us, for our generation, we ought to be weeping and praying for their protection. Because as the Lord protects them, he protects their ministry of his word. Just like the Lord protected those who brought the gospel to America to us. As we have thousands of biographies about the faithfulness of those who came and shared the gospel. But the Lord today sustains and protects missionaries in our generation in the mission field through the prayers of saints like you and me. And we have already been redeemed by the word of the Lord. We have been reached by the gospel, haven't we? Now we must ourselves pray for the protection of those laboring the gospel in places yet to be reached that most of us cannot go. So we must pray trusting that God is faithful to sustain his mission. He is faithful. He will do it. Whether we pray for it or not, but he wants us to pray for it. And he uses our prayer to achieve his mission. But if that's not already reason enough to pray, Paul now reminds us that God also uses our prayers to strengthen local churches. So that's the second way that the Lord uses our prayer. Prayer strengthens churches. Verses 3 and 4. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. Well, battle strategies in medieval war movies, they always fascinate. That's my favorite genre in movies, medieval war. So the noise of clinging swords and galloping horses and horns, they take the scene and they fill me with excitement. But one of my favorite strategies is when the commander of the army says and shouts, shield wall. So the commander is rightly assessing the battlegrounds and he's organizing the army together to create a defense strategy. And as a group, they put their shields up on a position and they lock arms together in a formation. And when they do that, they're protected, but they also have room to march forward. Steady and inconsistent, inconsistent steps. And I think something similar is happening here in Paul's words. He burst out of his prayer request with this powerful realization in verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. The Lord is our shield. While he asked them to help him in the battle of sharing the gospel out there, global missions, he's also reminded by God's faithfulness, is reminded of God's faithfulness in the battle that he had with them, with the Thessalonians in the local church. So as he longs for prayers for his current job at Corinth, he delights in the Lord's faithfulness in answering those same prayers to the Thessalonians. The Lord is faithful. He is the shield wall of the church. The Lord is faithful. He gives us confidence to march forward as a church. So these two verses compose Paul's very short prayer report about God's faithfulness to that church in Thessalonica. Let's see two ways that God uses our prayers to strengthen churches. First, he uses our prayers to strengthen churches against the enemy. Against the enemy. Notice how Paul transitions the prayer from a personal request for us to a prayer report for you all. While maintaining the he, the Lord, the commander that they all pray to. So he wants these brothers and sisters to remember that the same God who advances his mission in the world also strengthens his already established mission 
in the local church. So he establishes them and guards them against the enemy of the church. They are established together on the foundation that was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Because God chose them and called them into salvation through Christ, now they belong to Christ. So, but they're also guarded against all activities of Satan. And as Paul had already taught them in chapter 219, the increase of the corruption in the world will not affect those who have faith in Christ. For Christ, being tempted by all Satan's temptations common to man, he endured without sin. And now that we are in Christ, now that the Thessalonians are in Christ, he will not let them be tempted beyond their abilities. But he's going to guard them, providing a way of escape. So Jesus, our commander, instructed us on the best strategy against the evil one, a church gathered in prayer. When teaching his disciples how to pray, Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And to Peter, he said, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, the sins of this world will come against us like arrows in a war. But Jesus' faithfulness on the cross, we have both firmness of his forgiveness and we also have the protection of his endurance. So church, when we are united together in prayer for one another, God uses our prayers to strengthen us in the work that Christ has already done for us. When we pray together at community groups, we fight off sin. When we confess our sins to one another at men's breakfast and at women's brunches, we remind each other of Christ's forgiveness. When we, are, when we are to share struggles to one another, because when we do that in prayer, we can together find a way of escape in his word so that we can march forward together. So God in his faithfulness uses our prayer not only to strengthen us against attacks, but also in our march in discipleship. So the second way he uses our prayers to strengthen is in discipleship. Prayer strengthens churches in discipleship. Paul says in verse 4 that he is confident in the Lord that they are doing and that they will do the things that he commands. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul instructs the Thessalonians on how to help each other follow Jesus. He asks them to honor their leaders. He asked them to admonish one another. He asked them to encourage one another. He has asked them to help one another and to be patient with one another. That's discipleship. When one believer helps another believer to be more Christ-like. And Paul concludes those instructions with prayer in chapter 5, verse 24, saying this in 1 Thessalonians. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Notice how Paul is already confident in the Lord in his first letter. Now, writing his second letter, his prayer report is even more confident. As we just saw in verse 4, he says that he has confidence in the Lord about them. So the word about here makes me think of Paul remembering his first prayers to the Thessalonians in his first letter. And then he goes back to God and he lists all these prayers, all these traits that the Thessalonians have back to God. In a prayer like this, God, you truly are faithful. You surely did it. Look, look how they have been loving one another. Look how they're growing in their faith. 
trusting in your faithfulness, they have been enduring persecutions. Trusting in your faithfulness, they have been enduring false accusations from every side. And even when they sometimes meet shaken of mind, they are still standing firm and holding on to your word and to our instructions. Oh God, if you are working in them now like this, you certainly will continue to work in them then. So Paul's former confidence in prayer is cascading now into more confident prayers because the faithfulness of the Lord in their discipleship is not stagnant, but it's continuous. It keeps moving. And when Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3.2 that they needed milk for they were not ready for solid food, I like to think that I wouldn't doubt that Paul is probably thinking about the Thessalonians eating the solid food of his instructions and growing in their faith. In our walk of Christian discipleship, the goal is always to grow, to improve, to advance. When Jesus, our commander, organized us into local churches, he didn't protect us against the enemy just to leave us stationary in the same place in the battlefield. No, he did that so we can advance, so that we can continue trust in his faithfulness and advance in our growth. So as we pray and ask, we ask for strength, we send, God sends us strength by means of faithful leadership and mutual discipleship in the local church. So as a Christian, a Christian that is inconsistent in their discipleship may be actually revealing signs of a lack of engagement with their local church. For example, prayer gatherings, worship services, singing together in a service like this, listening to the word being preached, attending small groups, commitments to one another in membership. All these are God-given gifts to strengthen us and to cause us to grow together. So as a pastor, and I can say on behalf of our elders, I can firmly say that we pray for you, church, as Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. We have confidence in the Lord about you. Because we are confident in the Lord because you are growing in your faith right now. And we, you will continue to grow and abide in his word then. We see the things that you are doing. For example, we observe and we see the faithfulness of the Lord as you gather together every Sunday to worship the Lord. And you keep coming and you keep returning, sitting under the faithful teaching of God's word. We see how the Lord is being faithful in your life, in your one-on-one discipleships, going to breakfast together going to lunches together, praying for one another, ironing, iron sharpening iron. And we see how you step up to help members in need, in meal trains, in baby showers, in graduation parties. We see how in the midst of a busy summer that we are having right now, we lock arms together as a church to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to children at VBS. Even though we are all tired, we were faithful. You were faithful. And we see that the Lord is being faithful through you. So we as, a pastor, we as pastors, we can echo Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 4.1 saying this. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. So because we observe these things that you are doing right now, church, we have confidence in the Lord that you will do the things that the Lord is preparing for us in the future. 
As we prepare to merge with new hope, we know that you will, together with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. As we get to as we get ready to be engaged in local missions and international missions, we know that you will, in unity, go into the world and proclaim the gospel, the whole creation. We pray confidently in the Lord that as babies are being born and adopted in our church, as children are growing in the effective evangelism and discipleship in the Lord, we know that you will instruct your, instruct your children and train up your children in the word of the Lord and in God's discipline. And you're going to help one another in doing that. You're going to walk alongside one another. These and many other great things that the Lord will command us to do, we can be confident that he is faithful and he will give us the strength to do it. So in prayer, as we pray for one another, we know that the Lord will not only continue to strengthen us, his church, against the attacks of the enemy and also in our discipleship, but he's going to also and finally direct our hearts to himself. So the third and final way that we learn from God that how God uses our prayers is that prayer directs our hearts. Verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. I have been living in Wilson for three years now, and I still use Google Maps to get to places. I know some of you use Apple Maps or Waze, whatever. I use Google Maps. But I guess in my laziness to memorize places and to the names of streets, I just over-rely on technology to get to places. Sorry, I do. But when I forget my charger and my phone dies during a trip, I find myself forced to stop at a gas station and buy a charger. Because if I try to keep going without my phone, if I try to keep going without my phone, I would be at best incredibly late or at worst get lost and not even know how to get back home. And it has happened before. It's not fun. But it's not uncommon to hear Christians say that the Lord helps them daily in following their hearts. As if their hearts is the phone that directs them and the Lord is just the charger when they feel lost. But it's the other way around. The Lord directs us and our prayer charges it. Our prayers are merely the screen through which we see the Lord's directions. Our, our hearts are merely the screen through which we see the Lord's direction. And they forget that the heart in Scripture is their own understanding, their own desires, their own wants. Proverbs 3.5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. It doesn't say trust in your heart. With the help of the Lord. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we taught this principle at VBS this week while using the life of Peter. I don't know if you remember. Our kids learned that Peter lost track of Jesus' eyes when he was walking on the water. And he allowed his heart and his eyes to look elsewhere. The circumstances around him, leading him to sink in despair. But Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So Jesus was literally directing him back to himself. So Paul, in our last verse for this morning, prays that the Lord may direct our hearts always back to Jesus. 
And he echoes Proverbs 23, 26 that says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. After asking for prayer out there for local missions, for global missions everywhere in the world, and reporting about his prayers in here to the local church, now he prays asking the Lord to direct their hearts up there to the Lord, back to himself, to his love, and to his steadfastness. And the first question that should come to our minds when reading this prayer is this. When Paul says the love of God, does he mean their love, our love for God, or God's love for them? And my answer is yes. Paul is not making a reference to an abstract feeling that we have for God or that God has for us this abstract longing to love us. No. But he's saying that our gaze must be fixed in the person of God himself. For God is love and love is from God. First John uh, is known as the book of love. And John says in 1 John 4, 4, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. But if God is love and love is from God, how can he both be and send love? Well, he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus is both love itself and the expression of God's love for us because he is God. So Paul is asking the Lord to fix their hearts, to hook their desires, to hook their understanding, to lock their hearts in the love of Christ because Christ is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus ultimately demonstrated his love for us through his steadfastness, which is the second thing he asked us to fix our gaze upon. Jesus endured the suffocating attacks of evil men on his way to the cross. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was scorned, and he was nailed to the cross. The only sinless man to ever live endured the sins of wicked and evil men like you and me. At the cross, he has given his last breath and he dies. And God the Father places upon his son the sins of the world. So Jesus, out of his love for us, endured pain and suffering so that we could be saved. Jesus received upon himself the punishment of our sins in order to demonstrate his eternal love for us. And those whom the Lord directs their hearts in faith to him will be established in his righteousness. And we will be guarded from the consequences of sin. So he did that for your sake, believer. So that you can continue doing the works that he commanded. But he also did that for your sake that have not yet believed. And I know that all our members in our church, they pray for us every Sunday. That the word of the Lord may speed ahead even before we preach. And resting on the power of our members' prayers. I call on you today to look to Christ in faith. Repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, you're honoring the word of the Lord. So confess your sins and believe in Jesus for your salvation today. Stop trying to break the shield wall of Christ 
and instead join in under his command. Because of his faithfulness, his gospel is being honored throughout the earth this morning, including here in Wilson, North Carolina. So come to Jesus today. Direct your hearts to his love and trust in his steadfastness because he did that for you. And if you believe in him and repent of your sins, he will save you. He will save you. But as for us, church, let us together with Paul recognize that when we pray, the Lord directs our hearts, he strengthens the church, and he sustains the works of missions throughout the world. Matter of fact, when the Lord directs our hearts to himself, he's going to direct us to where his heart is, the nations. So see the cycle here. As we look to Christ, he's going to cause us to look to the nation. As we look to the nations, churches will be planted and strengthened. And these churches are going to be looking to Christ again and sending out more missionaries. And the cycle goes on and on and on until the day of the Lord, until he comes back and he rescues us. So be encouraged this morning to come and to pray with the saints tonight. My prayer is that in this, this sermon gave you plenty of reasons to come and pray. Come and cheer loudly for those that are in the field. And as we pray, we are confident that the owner of the church is faithful and he is able to do far more abundantly than everything we ask and than anything we think, according to the power that works within us. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, because when we look to the past, we see your faithfulness. We see how you sped ahead, and you came, and you reached us with the power of the gospel when somebody preached the gospel clearly to us. You redeemed us from our sins by the power of the cross. We looked to Jesus, and we got our fixed gazed on him. And Father, we praise your name for your faithfulness. Because of Jesus, we are saved today, and praise be to God for that. But Father, we also pray for all those missionaries in the mission field right now. We pray that you may speed ahead and that you may honor your word as people repent of their sins, believe in the Lord, and are placed in faithful local churches. Father, we pray for their protection. We pray that you may keep them from evil and wicked men. Father, we know that you are faithful because you are doing just that with us. You are strengthening us. You are protecting us from the attacks of the enemy but you also strengthen us as we disciple one another, causing us to be more Christ-like. Father, we believe that as we pray, as we honor you, as we seek your glory to be known everywhere in the world, we believe that you are directing our hearts to you. So continue to do that. Help us to be fixed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to never forget that he is faithful forever and ever.